Christ, if we're, um, if, now, Brian, they can't hear me online, can they? They can hear me online? Brian, since everyone's quiet, let's go ahead. We're going to have an opening prayer. If you could just put the video on, let me know when, it's, when, it's, when you're on. Okay. Well, welcome to the class, not only for those of us who are meeting here at the building, but for all who are listening online, the Antioch Church of Christ Sunday morning Bible class. And we might be doing this for quite a while like this. I just thank God that we have the technology to do it. Had this happened a century ago, we would have just had to, you know, suffer and bear it. But now we have with the technology, uh, it's just wonderful that we can communicate God's word uh, regardless uh, where the listener is. So thank you for being here. Uh, let's, let's open with prayer. Righteous Father, we do thank you for your presence. We know that you are with us all the time, Lord. We understand that our true citizenship, our commonwealth is with you in heaven but you have put us on this earth for a purpose, and that's to praise your holy name and to enjoy ourselves. We are your children, and you, God, are our Father. So thank you for the class that you've given us. May you be a part of our thoughts and be a part of my words. May they, Holy Spirit, may they simply be your words flowing through me and through your holy word. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay, we are on, it says lesson two, but it's really should be the third lesson. I'll have to correct that next week. The path to intimacy. I don't know how many know what this is. Obviously, it's an automobile, and, it's, and I did not own this. It's a 1970 Chevrolet Nova. But when I got married, when I came back from overseas in 72, I had all kinds of money. I think I had a pocket of about $1,500. And trust me, even though I was 22 years old, you'd have thought I'd had a whole lot more than that with four years in the service, but I didn't, you know, I'd buy gifts and, you know, so forth. Anyway, this was the car that I bought in Corpus Christi, Texas. And so when Debbie and I got married in August of that year, not 70, but 72, this is the car we drove to the hill country of Texas where we had our honeymoon. I know you're thinking, Hill Country? Well, let me tell you, it really doesn't make a difference where you go. We didn't have any money. Since then, we've enjoyed other things, Paris and so forth. I'll never forget, about uh, every 10 years or so, she'll say, it's time for a honeymoon. I said, okay. You know, do you want to go back to Uvalde? She said, no, I don't want to go to Uvalde. <laughs> At any rate, um, we were married in Corpus, and we drove this car to Uvalde in August. South Texas in August, no air conditioning. And I can tell you that the, there was, it didn't have bucket seats, it had a bench seat. Three on the column, 
1970 model. And we drove it for, I don't know, a couple of years at least. Went from there to Oklahoma, where I went to Oklahoma Christian as a student. I wish you could see the bench seat, because I want you to know that whenever I was dating Debbie, where do you, by the way, there are no seat belts, no seat belts. Where do you think she would sit? Yeah, right here, right here. And we pretty much sat that way all the way through Texas. Sometimes she'd move over, but basically right here. Unless she was upset with me. And then where do you think she would eventually end up? I mean, as far to the passenger, it only had two doors, as far to the passenger door as she could get. She'd squeeze up against that door. It was not subliminal. It was a very active message, not passive at all, active. Well, somehow we both understood, and so do you, that relationship, good relationships and bad relationships are all a matter of closeness. Now, we always had a good relationship, but as two people, you know, when we have a little tiff and we've been married 48 years, you've got to have a handful, right? most of which were her fault, but we had a handful. You can always tell by closeness. Closeness. I want you to know that if God owned this car, he does actually, he doesn't want me sitting by the passenger window. He doesn't want you crammed against the door on the other side. He wants you cozying up right next to him, just like a father would to his daughter or to his son, or a husband, a wife to a husband, and so forth. Cozy up next. Now, I think there are ways we can cozy up to God, because what are we talking about? We're talking about intimacy. God doesn't just want us to be one of his saved. He wants us to be close I think there are four points I hope I can get across in the next half because they mean a lot to me and I hope they will to you too. <clears throat> to begin with, there is a great text in uh, Exodus 33. In fact, I'm going to, uh, the only reason I'm going back and forth here is because I'm not, con I'm not sure about the video, to be honest with you. Okay, if you have your Bibles, open up to Exodus chapter 33 and I'm going to read 7 through 11. Are you there? Okay, what did, uh, yeah, amen if you're there, Brother Patterson. Okay, verse 7. I've got this hooked. Verse 7. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp. They're in the wilderness, by the way. Outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose up, and every man stood at his tent door and looked after Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the door of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. Verse 10, and when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the door of the tent, 
all the people would rise up and worship every man at his tent's door. Thus the Lord God used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. We can end it right there. I don't know about you, but that's the relationship that I aspire to. To say that one is really there, I don't know if that would be a lack of humility or not. I can tell you that there are times I feel very close to the Lord. I mean, just cozy up right next to Him. He's laughing and smiling and talking, and I'm laughing and smiling and talking. Or we're both crying, whatever the situation is. Want the, where I want to get up next to God. It's as close to face-to-face, I think, as one can come. And I feel not just like a son, I feel like a friend. And I find it reassuring that Moses, when he built the tent that would later be the temple, that when he built the tent, it was outside of the camp not inside the camp with all the other hustle and bustle. It was set apart. And I really believe that in order for me to be intimate with the Lord, I have to get out, I have to leave the camp. Now, you can take that any way you want. There are times when we all need our Gethsemanes. I've told Debbie in the last several years, 48 years, and she has the same you know, thing, that there are times when we simply need to get away. Uh, we're not talking about deployments. We're talking about, you know, she's on her own vacation. We're talking about there are, there are moments when she just wants to close her door and, and spend time alone with God. That's, that's, you know, without me interfering. And vice versa with me as well. Um, we all need our Gethsemanes. Why do you, I wish we could hold a conversation. Whenever we went through the Lord's Prayer and a Bible study, some months ago, pre-pandemic, and it begins with, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We'll just finish it. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. Amen. And I would always divide that, that we need to pray that God provides daily bread, forgives, and protects us from the devil. Provide, forgive, and protect. But the operative word that sets everything in motion is the word Father. And I think it's the key word to not only this prayer, it's the key word to all of our relationship with God. And not just, you know, Father, you know, some sort of aristocratic way, but Abba. And Jesus said, pray like this, Abba, Dad, it's a term of endearment, in heaven, holy is your name doesn't mean that you have, because I have a closeness with the Lord, all of a sudden he becomes like me, sinful, not the opposite. He's always holy, even though he is my dad. Just so happens our father is holy, but he wants us to come close. I think that we have to go outside the camp. I have a clicker here. I think we have to go outside the camp to begin our intimacy. Hebrews 13, the same words. It's about leaving the camp, leaving the camp. All right, 
I think not only do we go outside the camp, but when we do, we leave the crowd. And these are meaningful to me. That's why when I put this together, these are thoughts that I had. I simply ask the questions, you know, hey, Mike, that's what I, when I talk to myself, you know, hey, Michael, how can you draw closer to God? And I answer the questions myself, and then, you know, I, I find out if it's corroborated by Scripture. If it is, I use it. If not, I, I kind of want to change my answer. But the only way I can grow intimate with the Lord is for me to leave the camp, to get out of the camp. And that's a metaphor. For me, that would be all, it means all sorts of things. But really, it means leaving the hustle and bustle of the world. I can tell you the, the week of election, um, I never have followed an election. I thought I followed other elections closely, but I never followed an election as closely as I followed this one. Not just for the presidency, but for the House and the Senate and all the other, you know, local officials and so forth. I've really followed it. Why? Because, because I think it's really important. But, the, but I reached a moment in time, and I reach it nearly every day, where enough's enough, wit. Enough's enough. You know, turn it off. Stop it. You know, get, put the device down. Leave the camp and cozy up with the Lord. Leave the crowd. What does Mark 135 say? I know you know it. I'll start it and you can kind of finish it, you know, muttering to yourself. Um, and early in the morning, long before day, Jesus would arise, go out to a lonely place, and there he would pray. Or some words to that effect. Early in the morning, I am not, I have never been. When, when I first came here in 2005, I actually had, had friends, brothers in Christ on the staff primarily, who would think, you know, thought I'd be here at 5 o'clock in the morning because I'm military. Oh, man, I so hated that. I don't want to be anywhere at 5 o'clock in the morning except a cup of coffee in my pajamas, you know, if I'm, even, if I'm awake. Jesus, but there are times, and here's the connection for all of us, there are moments, and I can tell you this moment, I'll, I'll, I'll share this with you, it'll preach, and it's the truth. At four, I never get up at 4.30 on Sunday morning. Now, I know some of you do. I think that's commendable. But I did this morning. I got up at, actually, I, I awakened at 4. Couldn't sleep very well. Why? I was thinking of the message. And I was thinking, Lord, I just don't know this. I mean, I, I know it's your word, but I am the messenger, and I've got to at least have an outline in my head. I got up at 4 o'clock, 4.30, put the coffee on. Lawson was staying with us for the weekend because the was gone, and, and um, Carissa had the girls, and we had the boy. So Lawson's with us, and he's, even he was sound asleep. He would always beat us up and want to play or something at 5.30. But anyway, I got up, put the coffee on, got the Bible out, chair still dark and it just began to click I could have stayed in bed and I think the Lord who's certainly omnipotent could have fixed it but I think you know it's a you know we work together it's a covenant I know there are those who may not like to hear this because it, it puts I'm not talking about salvation salvation is not a covenant it's not, a, I'll do this if you do this thing. But everything else in relationship is a covenant. And so the Lord says, I'll bless it, but you've got to work. You've got to do something. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not going to have you play golf five days a week and then stand up and I'm going to preach for you. I've called you to be a 
spokesman. He's a servant, a messenger. So you've got your part to play. That's why I talk about fulfilling my calling. Ephesians 4.1, you have a calling too. And Paul said, I beg you, lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. It's an important thought. So I got up this morning, left the crowd, and worked further. And I just think it's important that we keep that in mind, especially when you have anxieties and fears and worries. Get up early. If you're, if you're tossing in bed anyway, why not just get up? And don't get up and turn on the news because that's probably part of the anxiety. Get up, get whatever you enjoy for a morning drink. I like coffee. And, you know, if you don't want to read the Bible, then pr pray. It's a conversation. And conversations don't always need to be filled with words. How many times have you sat with your wife or husband or friend and not a word was spoken, but you're cozied up? You are right now. I mean, Bonnie's arms around Steve, and there's Kyle and Mary and, and you know, Bud and Betty and so forth. Debbie's by herself. But we, if I were there, we would be next to each other. You follow me? You know, Henry and Wanda, and I could go on here, but... So leave the crowd. Number three, we got to leave stuff. And not just physical stuff. I mean leave mental stuff behind. Genesis 2.21. When I don't put the text up there and I have to read it, I have to, all I need is the first word or two. Um, and the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he, while he slept, he closed one of the ribs. Uh, and from the rib, he created a woman, and showed her to Adam, I'm paraphrasing, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, she was taken out of man, and then Moses adds, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. There's a reason we leave things behind. There is a reason Mary left Steve's home. It was time. God has a different life for Mary and Kyle than he does for Steve and Bonnie. Are they connected? Absolutely. They'll always be connected. But they have different abodes, different homes that even if we have, I'm not, don't carry this too far, there may be a time in one's life where we have to live in the same house, and I'm not talking about that. I'm saying that there was, in the text, there was, it was there for a reason. God said the moment woman was created and God brought her to the man and Adam was thrilled, Eve was thrilled, God was thrilled, that's the creative order. And from that point on, from that point on, you know, talk about ancestors, you know, we all go back, we all go back, right, to Adam. So from, from that point on, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. John 14, 1 through 6, beautiful text, not going to say it all, but uh, Jesus begins, and he ends up talking with Philip. He starts with, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house are many mansions. I would have told you if I'm going to make a place. And so he goes all through that, and Philip's lost. He just, I don't. And then finally, Philip speaks up and says, Lord, and by the way, verse 6 was, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And Philip says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. We don't even know the way you're going. And Jesus said, Philip, and I think he was really surprised. I know he's omniscient, but he, was, he had not be, yet been glorified. So, I mean, before the glorification, he was perfect, but he was still the son of man, still human, as well as divine. And Jesus said, Philip, have I been with you so long and you still don't get it? 
what was Philip missing? Philip wanted to be close to God. And he had been with Jesus for three years. <laughs> and Jesus said, Philip, you have been close. I mean physically close. If you have seen me, you've seen the Father. We just need to get outside the camp. It's not, you know, we're not going to cozy up to God in the midst of chaos. We need to leave the camp. We need to leave stuff behind. And we need to taste the Lord. Isn't that a beautiful expression? It comes from Psalm 34, the first sentence of verse 8. In fact, I have a little plaque in my, next to the coffee pot that Stacy gave me a few years ago. And it says, it's got a coffee cup, you know, with the, with the aroma going up, you know, the, the image. And the little plaque says, uh, oh, I'm going to probably get it wrong, but oh, taste the Lord. Somebody, what does that say? Somebody read it for me. Thank you. Ta oh, thank you, Henry. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's on the plaque. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I don't know about you, but I still go to restaurants. We're going to go to another one today. We try to be careful. But every time we go to a restaurant, three things happen. Every time, unless it's a fast food. And even then, they happen just in a different way. There's always a menu. It could be on the back of a McDonald's wall, but there's a menu. We're going to go to Cheddar's after this and, and get some chicken for, for Lawson. I nearly said Shane. I do that all the time. Get some chicken for Lawson. And um, Shane's so good about that. He never, it never bothers him, but... He's, you know, yeah, it's just back there when I see Lawson, all I see is Shane. That's just the way it goes. Uh, anyway, um, we're going to have a menu brought to the table. And a waiter will drop it off, and then he'll, he or she will leave, and we read the menu. And then the waiter will come back and explain part of the menu with whatever question we have. The purpose of the waiter is to explain the menu and take the order. And then finally the food comes and we consume. I assure you, no one goes to a restaurant to read the menu and hear the waiter. And yet I don't know how many Sunday mornings we can't figure out why we're not close to the Lord. We've, you know, we've, we've read the menu and we've heard the waiter. And then, but we've never tasted the Lord. Intimacy only comes with tasting, metaphorically, tasting. So you can have, you can know the menu if you never consume the food, the bread of life. If you never eat anything, then nothing changes within you. So if you want to feel closer to God, you can, there's nothing wrong with reading the menu. In fact, that you don't know what the food is. And there's nothing wrong with asking a waiter a couple of questions who's read the menu as well. And God has helped the waiter share a few things. But in the end, you will never be intimate with the Lord. No relationship unless you taste the food. The last illustration is a pacifier. I did read about this one just yesterday, so I thought I'd tack it up there. <clears throat> Uh, a baby, 
pacifier. What does the pacifier, what's the purpose of a pacifier for little suckling infant? To shut them up, I know. To keep them, what does the infant, it's a substitute. What is it substituting? The mother's milk. Will it work forever? Uh Uh-huh. It only works for a little while until finally the infant realizes this is doing nothing. I want the real thing. And I'm convinced it all is applicable to our relationship with God. We just don't need to keep pacifiers in our mouth forever and feel good and then leave. We need to, to take it out and taste the real thing. So, in closing, three questions. Where are you sitting in God's car? I mean, where are you? If you're like me, probably some of the times you're close and some of the times you're not so close. And I ask myself, why am I not so close? And invariably, it's because I've, uh, I'm ashamed. I've done something that I'm ashamed of. And I don't even want the Lord to know about it. I don't want to cozy up to God when I know you know, as David, when my sin is ever before me. And so what has to transpire? What has to take place? God cleanses me, and then he says, and I just scoot across the sky, and then we're buddies again. Have you left the camp? And where are you in God's restaurant? Pretty neat thoughts coming from Scripture. Let's close with prayer. Righteous God, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Without your word, we would be absolutely lost. We need your word, Father. Teach us your word. And beyond that, help us taste your goodness Help us draw near to you comes alive and living. And that, Father God, is our prayer. In the name of Jesus, we ask you to help us. In the name of Christ, we beg for your forgiveness. And in the name of Christ, we are grateful for being your child and for you loving us. Abba, Dad, thank you. Amen. God bless you. I'll see you when I see you, I guess, perhaps next week or sooner.